Yeah. Freshman in high school. And she's a senior in high school. So it wasn't like, she probably looks at him like a little brother, right? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream on Tuesday. A gorgeous, beautiful, sunny day in the state of New Jersey. Weather is amazing. Humidity is low. Uh, very warm outside, I should say. Kids have soccer tryouts for high, the high school team today. They're going to be sweating. But that's good. I told them, well, this is like winter in Ghana. This is winter weather. I was, oh, it's so hot. How are we going to do it? Nothing. This is winter in Ghana. You're lucky this is only, uh, what, 86 degrees out today? So uh, by comparison, everything seems easy. Once you compare it to something worse, it seems easy. So let's get the TV on, uh, Omar. TV's not on. Uh, how's the image? Fine, or do we need to close the curtain? Here, let's close the curtain a little bit. Just make sure the sun. Is, uh, while we're doing that, yeah. I think after the Owen Benjamin stream, we've had a lot of uh, non-Muslim viewers. Yeah. Uh, like I can see in the chat right now, someone's, uh, I don't know if he's Muslim or not. But Listen, the, the priority for all of our questioners, the priority for all of our attendees is the one who has questions on what is most primary. So if somebody's asking a question on the fundamentals of Islam, that takes more precedent, right? It's more important than someone asking a question on, let's say, something that's what we call furua or the branches, such as what's najis, right? So what's more important, tawheed or najasa? Tawheed, of course, right? Najasa means like ritual impurity, like flowing blood, urine, things like that. We have to wash off our body. And by the way, you ever wonder that why is Islam putting a lot of emphasis, you know, on this purity, you know, getting rid of najasa? Najasa means like uh, defecation, right? Uh, ne sorry, najasa means impurity. Amongst it is defecation. Islam, the first thing you learn is how to get rid of defecation and urine. Here's something I realized over the years. Any father, any mother will relate to what I'm about to say. Once you have kids, right, you will deal with an amount of defecation you have never imagined that you will deal with in your life, right? You will deal with kids who do not know the rules of urine and babies and, and, and toddlers who don't know any better, right? So I even saw... Alhamdulillah, this is not my family, but I saw a family where the kid, the, uh, there's a baby and a, and a child. child. The mom said, go check if, you're, if, you're, if your brother, you know, w wet his diaper. He pooped in his diaper. So you usually smell it, right? So what does this kid do? Puts the finger inside the diaper, <laughs> see if they feel something warm and hot, right? And then takes it out and says, yep, he did. So you see that filth, Islam is a practical religion. It deals with what actually is happening in real life. Sometimes you don't, you, your, our, our individual views do not encompass all that happens in real life, right? But the idea here that Islam comes in the first thing that it teaches you in the law books is how to purify yourself. When you actually go on and live and imagine now that for the, bulk of human history diapers didn't exist 
right? So what was happening with that defecation in urine, right? Societies were filled with this stuff unless they were taught something. As the first thing that we learn in, in the books of Islamic law. Now, that was a little tangent, but what I was saying is that matters of do- beliefs take precedent over matters of law. So anybody that comes here that is new in Islam or just learning about Islam, that type of person would take precedent over the Muslim who is uh, trying to learn something else in their religion. That doesn't mean we're saying anyone's better than anyone else, nor more important. Well, maybe more important we can say that. We can say that it's more important to, to, to give someone talk about Tawheed and Nubuwa, prophethood. Nubuwa is prophethood. Is more important than fiqh, right? And those types of questions. So if they they are on the stream, Omar, uh, you can immediately interject, right? Okay, good. Very good. Very good. There is a convert. Let me read you this, which I was very happy to see. And I'm telling you, we're going to see more and more of it. I guarantee we're going to see more and more and more of this. All right, where is this? Where is this? Here it is. Islam continues to spread in the south and between the coasts. I'm telling you, this is what's, what is happening, whether people realize it or not. I'm telling you, it is spreading in the south and in the coasts, between the coasts. Muslims soon will be as noticeable there, all over Texas, places like Oklahoma, Kansas. They will be more no, as noticeable there as they are in places like Chicago and New Jersey. Like you go to middle of Chicago, it's common to see Muslims. You go to Philly, psh, one quarter probably, I would say, of the population is Muslim. Like in certain neighborhoods, right? And everyone in certain neighborhoods is related to a Muslim. Okay? Oh, we're not saying people are perfect Muslims, but they're Muslim, right? And Dallas and Houston? SubhanAllah. Uh, Aaron was a Christian missionary. And he is the youth he, and youth leader of an American church where? In Mississippi. Okay. Bible Belt. Mississippi. Right? The heart of all the heart of all the the Bible studies is Tennessee. Right? Nashville. I think it's Nashville. It's Tennessee. But that's where the belt begins. And it goes all the way to where? I don't know where. Okay. Aaron says, I asked God to show me the truth and I read about Islam. I believe that Muhammad, may God's prayers and peace be upon him, is God's prophet and messenger. I could not turn away from Islam. The only direction I could go was Islam. I pronounced the two testimonies and became Muslim. Uh, very simply, to put it simply, I think that the Satanistic, whatever you want to call it, liberal, woke, whatever you want to call it, and Zionists dominate the high end of the persuasion machine and the, and the media and the advertisement and what's out there in the public sphere and the stuff that's the big money, they dominate. There's no doubt. We, Muslims do not even have 1% share in that. But actually down in the streets where human beings live and regular people live, no, Islam is far stronger. Right, so uh, a couple girls the other day went and were taken out for like a 
get together and they went out to see a movie, Elemental. So you, it's just about the elements, right? Each character is an element. Uh, fire, water, air, and earth. So, but the movie turns out to be an annoying one of these Disney plots where the dad is controlling and the girl wants to marry the opposite element, right? And the dad won't allow it, right? And so the dad's the bad guy again, controlling bad guy. And the best, the, the greatest part of the outcome is to break away from your dad. So that's basically, so it's almost like very much like uh, this, the, the, the mermaid. No, the mermaid, Ariel. The Little Mermaid, yeah. So one of the uh, moms said to the girls, after he's got to talk to them about it, right? You can't just let this slide. What do you think of this? And they said, I think these people like to create problems where there isn't, right? They like to create problems where there's no problem. Like, no, people don't generally have problems with their dads, right? At least in that community of friends. But you're just creating a problem and making people think and start looking Oh, that's because you might not have been thinking about it. Now you start to imagine it now, right? Oh, there is a problem, right? If you start thinking about that, and I think it's, a, it's an Iblisi trait to make everyone negative and divided, to pull your thinking down and divided. If I come around and I start saying, listen, um, all your friends, all these, all your friends at the masjid, they're very arrogant, right? And someone hears that, they're going to start looking for the arrogance in a normal guy, Right? They start looking for it. And that's what Iblis does. Start looking for it. Whereas I could easily say the exact opposite. I could say, no, they're really sincere people trying to get better. They're not perfect. They're trying to get better. I can go and I'll see that. All I'll see is a guy trying to get better. Guys, imperfect's trying to get better, right? So it's really what you make of it. And it's just like my critique of Wala Qusay's book and her critique of, I didn't read the whole thing, but I read the part that I read uh, was the um, critique of the rihla, right? And she brought out testimony. Now, when you bring testimony, testimony cannot really be right or wrong. It's just how I felt about it. So she'll bring, oh, uh, so-and-so, you went to the rihla, how did you feel about it? So-and-so, how did you feel about it, right? And then a lot of it was like these these negative things, right? I think the fu- like the bulk of the testimonies that I read were all negative, right? Or it's re- it's said in such a way that you could garner from it that it was negative, and it was negative by meaning that it was almost like designed to create a cult of personality, right? Or designed to belittle one culture and elevate another, right? That's what you took away from it. So my response to that was that I, you can never say a testimony is right or wrong. That's how the person is telling you they felt. There's no right and wrong in that. But the researcher has the opportunity to get many more testimonies and put out a balance. It's almost like you are looking for the people who didn't have a good experience and take their testimony. This, it's not possible for something to run that many years, right? And then the only testimony that comes out of it is, you know, these negative types of cult of personality leaning uh, cultural, elevating one culture, belittling another one. It's not possible. Right? There's got to be people who said, no, this was all perfect. Which is not, per- that's not accurate either. Nothing's all perfect, right? But if you're a fair, you're getting fair testimony, that's what you get. right? That's why the best proof is social proof. It's far better than testimonials. 
By the way, we do need testimonials for Sufi Society. They asked me. They said we need live video testimonials. Uh, the marketing team asked me. They said, hey, can you ask people, hey, uh, where should we send it? I Send it at info at safinasite.org. A video clip, right, or just a picture and a quote, something with human beings in it. As a testimonial, the, the Safina Society marketing team needs it, okay? Better yet than that, post it on your own social media and send us the link. How's that? Why do I say that? Social proof is better because social proof, it's not curated like if if you talk to us we'll curate it we'll say oh you know say something nice about the arc view and send it to us so customers users people are more savvy now right because the more iterations of something you get better at it you get better at assessing it they're like oh no we don't want the corporation coming up with these testimonials i want to look at google myself and see the reviews myself right but doesn't negate that we're going to use testimonials. So the marketing team needs these testimonials. The best thing you could do is post it on your own social media accounts and send the link to info at safinasaida.org. If you can't do that, then just send it to info at safinasaida.org. Okay? You got that? Yeah. Okay, good. You, what, do you, what do you want me to say? Anything else? That's okay. So, so that's the idea. Again, so set, put it up. We need that testimonial for the new launch. ArcView is going to have four parts to it. ArcView Kids, which includes HIFS, right? We will supply you with the HIFS teacher. And it includes Sira and includes Fiqh. And then there will be ArcView Arabic by Sheikh Mahdi Lak. He will run the whole program himself. And then we will have ArcView Basic and ArcView Plus. ArcView Plus this year, we're jumping up to the second level texts in the Madiki, Hanafi, and Shafi Madhabs. And in Aqidah. ArcView Basic is the primary level texts. Okay? So in Fiqh, we basically break up the texts into three categories. Basic, maybe three, four mutun are basic. Then secondary, middle level. Two, three, four, two in our middle level. And then the um, advanced texts. And that's where you're, you're pretty much almost graduating. So we're not yet providing that. We're, our, we're providing ArcView scholarship track. We are providing, it's also known as ArcView Plus. We're now providing the second level, okay, of those texts. All right. So second level texts tend to include mu'amalat which is marriage, divorce, things like that, okay? Uh, war, hudud punishments. Why are people so afraid of hudud? Why? It's okay. A couple lashes here and there. No one, no one, nobody died. In some cases, some people do die, but that not everyone deserves to live. If you murdered someone, you're going to die. Can you tell us about the history offering? History, we, we offered history, but we haven't continued to offer it, but in the past, we did offer history. And our philosophy on history is that we're no longer going to offer them as courses, but we're going to offer them as one-time online events. They'll be up recordings, but it won't be a 12-week history course. It'll be like a two-hour, three-hour uh, uh, um, event with a historian where he'll talk, he'll show maps, he'll do that stuff, and then it'll be on to ArcView Basic. 
So, so that's our, our work this summer. And uh, the marketing team said, hey, can you get testimonials from the group? Give us your testimonials. Okay. Um, and they'll probably select the top, you know, four or five, six testimonials. And that's what they need. Again, you can either put it on your own social media and send us the link at infosphenicide.org or send a picture or the video or your written blurb, whatever it is, directly to info as because not everybody has social media. Not everyone uses social media. Okay. So that's what we're trying to do. We really think that we can take ArcView and make it like the go-to place for people to study the fundamentals. Because I told you what I love most, the person just coming through the door, we will take you to the middle level. We'll make you ready to become an advanced student of knowledge. We have the capacity, right? Segment numero dos. Tafsir al-Baghawi. On the completion of Surah al-Jum'ah, after Surah al-Jum'ah, we are on to Surah al-Saf. وَقَالَ مُقَاتِلٌ بَيْنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يَخْطُبُ يَوْمَ الْجُمْعَةِ إِذْ قَدِمَ دِحْيَةٌ ابْنِ قَدِمَ دِحْيَةٌ ابْنُ دِحْيَةٌ ابْنُ خَلِيفَةَ الْكَلْبِ مِنَ الشَّامِ بِالتِّجَارَةِ وَكَانَ إِذَا قَدِمَ لَمْ تَبْقَ بِالْمَدِينَةِ عَاتِقٌ إِلَّا أَتَتْهُ um, Dahiyah al-Kalbi comes into Medina. He wasn't a Muslim at the time. He beats the drums. I have goods from Syria. Nobody wants to miss out on the goods from Syria. Okay, And usually he sells out right away. And he says when he used to come back, nobody in the city would be left behind. He would come right away. Uh, everyone would come. وَكَانَ يَقْدُمُ إِذَا قَدِمَ بِكُلِّ مَا يَحْتَاجُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ دَقِيقٍ وَبُرٍ وَغَيْرِهِ He used to come with wheat with um, um, flour, with all these things that people need. فَيَنْزِلُ عِنْدَ أَحْجَارِ الزَّيْتِ وَهُوَ مَكَانٌ فِي سُوقِ الْمَدِينَةِ There was a place called the uh, Olive Pits. Okay, that was the name of the place, the Olive Pit. And it sounds like a trendy restaurant or something. But أَحْجَارِ الزَّيْتِ, right? Um, maybe that's, and he said that's a, a place in the market. It's a place in the market. That's where he would settle. And he would beat the drum so that everyone can come and buy things from him. Okay. So they could buy and barter and sell and do all these things. One day he arrived, it was it was Friday. And the Prophet was given the speech. And he was not yet a Muslim. So he didn't know the he didn't know about Jum'ah and didn't know about disturbing the khutbah. Nor would why would he care? It's not his religion, right? The Prophet was standing on the mimbar giving his khutbah. There were only 12 He says there were only 12 men and women Left in the mosque Everyone left the mosque To go, Why? Because it wasn't fard It's not like they broke Jummah No, it's just a regular speech It was not fard So they went off And they went to uh, To buy this stuff Okay فَقَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ The Messenger, peace be upon him, said, لَوْ لَهَا أُولَىٰ If it wasn't for you, 
لسومت لهم الحجارات من السماء rocks of fire would come onto your onto this mosque if it wasn't for you uh, onto the whole city if it wasn't for you for you all of you to leave your prophet while you are believers you'd be punished for that people are constantly made unhappy by punishments of course no one wants to get punished but punishment is a protection when the merciful establishes a punishment it is a protection it's a barrier Right? When you hit into a barrier, if that barrier is made of nice fuzziness and allows you to just go through it, right, then it doesn't fulfill its purpose. But when you hit a barrier and it ruins your car, right, and it hits you, it fulfilled its purpose. It kept you away from harm. And that's what a punishment is. Okay. وقال القما سئل عبد الله أكان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يخطب قائما أو قاعدا قال أما أما تقرأ تركوك قائما عبد الله was asked did the prophet give khutbah sitting or standing he said did not did you not recite the word of Allah they left you standing تركوك قائما okay so the khatib stands yeah أخبرنا عبد الوهاب ابن محمد الخطيب and his train all the way down to Jabir ibn Abdullah كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يخطب يوم الجمعة خطبتين قائما فيفصل بينهما بجلوس he is to give two khutbas standing but, but he separates between them by sitting for a small amount of time the amount of time to say surah al-ikhlas or make a short dua عن جابر ibn Samura قال كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان للنبي خطبتان يجلس بينهما يقرأ القرآن ويذكر الناس. In the khutbah, in general, it is a recitation of the Quran and a reminder of the to the people, giving a reminder, exhortation. So when we speak, there are levels of our speech. The first level is tablig, right? Tablig is literally informing people that there is something, there is a religion, there is. A creator, there is a prophet. This is called tabligh. Okay, the next level up is wav. Okay, uh, wav is someone who is a Muslim, and you're just reminding him of the fundamentals. You're reminding him about salah, about be mindful that there's an afterlife. We're going to be judged by Allah. All these basic things. You're reminding them. The level of knowledge needed for wav is pretty much the level of where you can't go. So you don't go into rulings. You don't go into fatawa. You don't go into, and you also should be aware of the hadith that you narrate, that you do not narrate weak hadith. Uh, sorry, f- fabricated hadith. The wa'id may narrate weak hadith and does not have to say it's weak. But he shall not narrate a fabricated hadith. And it was uh, Ibn al-Jawzi, he coupled the extremely weak hadith he deemed them fabricated, or he cup, he treated them as fabricated. And the, there's a big difference. A fabrication is malicious. An extremely weak hadith is not malicious. And a hadith, la asla la, is also not malicious. La asla la means we, we never found a source for it. So what Ibn al-Jawzi is saying is we treat them all the same, in the sense that we don't narrate them to the people. However, the difference is that the fabricated hadith has a proof that someone intentionally fabricated. And what is the proof? The proof being that either the person admits it 
Okay. Or the person is discovered somehow else to be a liar. A weak hadith does not necessarily mean someone's maliciously lying. Also, a narration, la asla la, usually those are found in the, in the books. And you could tell it as a story, but not as a hadith. In other words, you would not cite it in any way, shape, and form that would indicate that the prophet said it, right, or that it was the truth. So you could change it to become an out al- if it's if it's valuable, like a lesson, right? That's it, and that's allowed. You can you can strike allegories and 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 stories that are fictional, but they te- they have a lesson that you're allowed to do, All right? So most of those la asla la no source to it. They come from the stories of the Bani Israel. Then somehow they trickle down into the book of Zuhud or books of Zuhud and those those types of books. So Ibn al Jawzi. He was a great scholar and he was a great preacher. So he has a lot to say about preaching. And he has a book called uh, Kitab Al Qusas Wal Wa'av. What is it? Something like that. The Book of Preachers, essentially, in which he gives guidelines for preachers. It's an amazing book. It's an excellent book. Right. And he, he shows you how the preachers go astray. And they go astray by reaching for far-off stories that will get the attention of the listener, right? So the preaching does have some basic parameters. The knowledge base to get into that does, is not much. You don't have to be a faqih, and uh, you just have to basically know the fundamentals of Islam. You need to know where you can... You, you have limits when you talk about doctrine and law and what you can cite and what you cannot cite. And then you can read and tell those stories and remind people of afterlife and things like that. So that's, Jum'ah is from the category of Wav. That's why Jum'ah does not require scholarship, right? Jum'ah is in the category of Wav. What's this? Kitab al-Qusas wal-Mudhakkirin. That's what it is. Kitab al-Qusas wal-Mudhakkirin. If you are interested in this subject, by the way, it's translated too. Some Orientalists translate it. It's a great book on the parameters of a preacher so the first thing tabligh any muslim can do tabligh right any muslim you become muslim the next day you can tell someone about there is this deen called islam and it has a creator uh, and 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 we believe in a creator and a prophet wav you can do after a little bit of studying and learning what the parameters are and you get an ijazah in it too she'll give you an ijazah then the next level is talim talim now to become a mu'allim is of a specific book. The teacher checks you off that you can study this book. And usually he tells you, you can study this, 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 even if he sat with you a little bit because he knows all the books are the same or similar content, right? So, uh, ta'lim is you're teaching specific books. It's education now. What's the difference between them? Imam al-Haddad said, the wa'ith, the one who's reminding the people, goes to the people. Because they're in a state of heedlessness. He goes to people who are not conscious and aware of the deen, of what they need to be doing, or it's not on their mind. He has to go to them. But for ta'lim, for knowledge, they have to come to him. Because now they're aware, they're with it, and they want to learn. Okay, now you want to learn? Now you come to the masjid, right? Whereas before, and in Dar Mustafa, they do this. Habib Omar, they take out trucks all the time. And they go to a village... And all the students scatter into different mosques and corners of the, of, of the town, right? In the public areas of the town. 
and they start giving talks. And then if it situation allows, they may even start giving lessons. Tahara, Salah, Sawm, Zakah, Aqidah, Tawheed, Nubuwa, things like that. Tajweed, right? So depending on the level of the people. But now some say, okay, I want to study. All right, now we're not coming back to teach you. If you want to study, you come to Dar Mustafa. Right, you come to us. So that's the difference between the wa'ad, and, and there's nothing wrong with being everything. The Prophet was all of it, right? Alayhi salatu wasalam. And Imam al-Haddad says, when the scholars stopped doing wa'ad, that's when everything went downhill. When the scholars stopped going out to the public to give them the basics, that's when everything started going downhill. He said the scholars, and he was very critical of scholars of his time. He said they like to sit and write a commentary upon a commentary that nobody's going to read, while his neighbors, they don't recite Fatiha properly, and his neighbors may not even know how to purify themselves or uh, don't even pray. And that's where he said the scholars must be du'at. Okay, and a da'iya, the, the barrier to that is low. It's not high. Okay, to become a da'iya, and a wa'idh, and a khatib, okay, and a mudhakkir. Okay, and if it, 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 insofar as dhikr is involved, it's at that level too, to lead the ratib. Nobody has to be on the mystical level of the seventh, uh, you know, uh, degree to lead the ratib. Ratib is a basic adhkar of the evening, to lead surah yasin, to lead surah al-mulk does not need some massive thing, right? So I remember then Seuss in Morocco, a brother was telling, I wasn't there, but he was telling me he's from there. He says that um, they have a, the, the shiuch there trained the, the, them. You never have a gathering in the daytime unless you do khatam with yasin. You gathering Even if we go out to cough for coffee, we close up with yasin right there in the coffee shop. We all just recite yasin in a, in a moderate level voice. And you leave. You never have a gathering in the evening unless you do khitam with mulk. Right? Like they they didn't even have a concept of that, like that they didn't consider this to be doing da'wah of you. They just considered that is what a, what you do for the blessings. You, we live off of blessings. We live off of, uh, of Allah's grace upon us. So that's what you do. So it, they were trained to do that. So again, a tathkir, a literal tathkir of reciting Quran together and adhkar together is from the level of wad. A talim now requires now those those idhan. And talim is of different levels, of course. Right? We should all ascribe to be fuqaha, which means we know the rulings of the mujtahid imams. Then we should we should seek to be much faqih in the nazila, mufti fin nawazil, right? Which is a higher level of a faqih. He can give fatwa by taking analogy from the rulings of the madhab. That's the highest level we're going to go to. No one will be mujtahid fil madhab and no one will be mujtahid mutlaq. Okay. No one will be... Um, <laughs> I'm watching something really hilarious on on Omar's screen now. I watch Omar's... I can see what Omar's doing. He is now... <laughs> he has... So terms that are blocked, you can no longer say them in the uh, in the uh, in the YouTube chat, and increasingly they're all Imran Hussein related terms like Gog and Magog, and now he's got all the variant spellings of Imran Hussein. Listen, Imran Hussein, by the way, he was a family friend. He used to come to visit our house. You know that? Yeah, he. My dad loves him. 
because he was from the old days. He was preaching from the 90s, right? And he was part of the Tanzim Islami, right? As a group called Tanzim Islami. I like Imran Hussein, right? As a person. I respect him. I always held him in esteem. This theory, though, is unacceptable. As I said before, how could you say this about someone that is in the community? I said, just because we're friends does not mean I can endorse the haram that you're doing. I said this many times in our communities, there is an innovation established, which is that women now come to the burial. They don't stand at the edge. They attend the burial and they put the dirt. This is makruh. And in the Hanbali school, haram. Okay? The Prophet did not want this to happen. So what is a woman supposed to They say, oh, how could you say this? The whole community does it. That's okay. I have a lot of friends who do haram things. I, I have mistakes too. Just because you're my friend does not mean I make your haram halal. That's not friendship. Friendship is actually tell you what's happening wrong in a nice way. That's what friendship is. What should happen at the burial? The sisters, the women can come. But they do not attend the lowering of the casket and the covering it with dirt. So they can come and wait at the edge. Right? Once the burial, the grave is down, the, 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 corp, the casket is down and it's covered, then they could come and do regular visiting of the grave. Right? Why is this the case? Because the Prophet ﷺ did not want them attending the burial. Perhaps the Prophet felt that it's one of the things that hardens the heart of a woman to see that. Allah knows best, but we just listen and we obey, right? Whether or not you understand it. Okay. Most mu'amalat, most have illa, which is an obvious person, a purpose, right? You can see the purpose, and I think that that's probably the purpose. The Prophet did not want, for example, women to be involved in judging against, be a judge, judges, because people are harmed by judgments. So she would have to live with the concept and the idea that she harmed a man or harmed a woman, right? And the Prophet did not want that. Could they? Yes, they can do it. But does he want that effect upon them? And will it have another cost? Yes. Everything that happens to us has a cost. If, if we three went to war and ended up witnessing arms being cut off and ourselves cutting people's heads off and arms and ourselves getting shot and living through this. Aren't we going to come back different people, right? We're going to come back a little bit different in the head. Look at World War I and World War II, right? What happened to those people? So it's not that women cannot do it, but the prophet does not want that effect upon women, okay? He doesn't want them affected that way that they may become hard-hearted as a result of that, or tough, and he didn't want this. So uh, any, in any event, let's now continue. We said there are three levels. What's the fourth level? At-tabliq, wal-wa'ad, wal-ta'aleem, the fourth and the highest level, al-amr bil-ma'roof wal-nahi al-munkar. Okay. Because that requires a couple things that the others don't require requires absolute knowledge that what is being forbidden is mujma'alay. In the four madhabs, okay, maybe not mujma'alay is not the right word, right? But it is the dominant opinion in the four madhabs. Okay. So if I tell you that such and such a food is haram to consume, you have to, you better make sure it's haram in all four madhabs. And all you have to look for is the dominant opinion. You don't have to look for uh, that every single fuqih 
but the dominant opinion in the Hanafi Maliki Shafi and Hanbali school that this is haram. Then you can say it's haram. Number two, if you, um, you, you that person, Imam al Haddad says, must have husnus siyasa. He must be knowledgeable about how to say things without causing more harm than good. So he has to have a, a political element to him where he knows that I have to say this, but I can't really stir the pot and make a drama, right? And that is highly recommended for him to have that attribute, okay? And, it's, and the reason I say highly recommended is because there's no line that says you have it or you don't. But he has to attempt to say it in a way that does not cause more harm than good. And that's why they didn't like the common man for bidding wrong. Not that he doesn't know, but because of this aspect. The common man who comes in on, let's say, I don't know, the, the, the sultan or something. Says, hey, sultan, there is an alcohol store over there and you're not doing anything about it. Okay. Well, the reason the, that it's, the ulama didn't like that is because the common man doesn't have the tact. And if all common men started to speak, then you got chaos. Right, and that's what democracy tends to be like, like chaotic. So that's the four levels of speech in Islam in the Deen. Those are the four levels. Okay, and uh, some of them have put irshad in there, and irshad is really it should be with talim. Irshad means to be a spiritual guide to people. That's really with talim to the degree that you can guide people along their ibadah and they're drawing how to draw near to Allah it's really part of ta'lim right then you could do that we also requires idhan all this requires idhan yes is there any uh, prerequisite for ta'lim uh, or advice or conveyance to support on the demographic in general so for the case of the alcohol store you don't need to you don't need to do ta'lim for daruriyat al-din if something is known in religion by necessity, you don't have to educate. It's assumed. It's assumed that every Muslim knows you're not, every adult Muslim knows you're not allowed to sell alcohol. Even children, they would know that. You're not allowed to be involved in alcohol at all. Yeah. Also, that which is done in public may be encoded in public, may be negated in public. So that's why, that, but that is also part of the tact. It may be, does not mean it should be. So, for example, if a, if a, 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 a king is ra uh, rash, let's say a sultan or a governor or a dictator, he's rash. And if you trigger him, innocent people die. You have to consider that. So, therefore, the, 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 the scholars may not publicly aggress upon the sultan or publicly embarrass the sultan. Knowing that he's not right in the head. He's going to get rash. He's going to put up a bunch of people in jail. So how does that benefit anyone? And this is why when the common folk um, take on commanding right and forbidding wrong, what they end up doing is instigating and triggering these dictators and far worse things end up happening. So the scholars were right, right? People say, oh, scholars, you didn't do anything. Yeah, sometimes you can't. You try to. In a light way, that's all you can do because you're not dealing with a normal person. You're dealing with someone who's messed up in the head. 
who is who has no scruples. So the scholar may just be calming him down, right? Just at least decrease it. Let's make him at least not be a kafir at least, right? So the scholars, oftentimes I see them as they see two harms. They don't see him changing. They see two harms, right? If you trigger this guy, 50 people are going to be thrown in jail on the spot. And what does that do? That means 50 families now, they don't have a, a dad anymore, right? How is that benefiting anybody? Or we know f- they have knowledge that this guy, you come against him, he'll shut down all of Islam. All the deen will be shut down. Praying in mosques, go to jail. Isn't that what we're seeing right now, right? Whereas a lot of those, it's not that an ex- it appears that they're accepting his oppression. What they should not do is accept his money. They should not do is praise him. They don't have to praise him. Now, it's gotten to the point that not praising the king enough is illegal. It's a crime. There are people who have been imprisoned in certain countries. The charge is not enough praise of the king. Like, it's gotten to that point. At that point, I think you pack up your bags and you try to leave. Right? Or you become a tour guide or you become something else. Right? At that point. But in most cases, the scholar can avoid blame, being blameworthy in the Sharia by not taking his money, not praising him, not being his cheerleader. That's enough, right? At the least that. قال جابر بن سمرة كنت أصلي مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فكان صلاته قصدا وخطبته قصدا I was with the Prophet, peace be upon him, praying with the Prophet, peace be upon him. His salah was was deliberate. His khutbah, his khutbah was deliberate, meaning short and deliberate to the point. Al-khutbah faridatun fi salat al-jum'ah. The khutbah is a farad of jum'ah. Wa yajibu an yakhtubah qa'iman khutbatain. He must stand and give two khutbahs. Standing. Wa qalu ma yaqaw alayhi ismu al-khutbah. The least of what a khutbah is is أن يحمد الله ويصلي على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ويوصي بالتقوى هذه هذه ثلاثة فرض في الخطبتين جميعا In both khutbas, the least of what he does is say Alhamdulillah, makes a lot on the Prophet and remind everyone to have taqwa This is the Shafi'i school here ويجب أن يقرأ في الأولى آية من القرآن In the first one, he must recite an ayah of the Quran. So the four things in the first one. And the second khutbah, at least he must make dua for the believers. So four th- things in the first, four things in the second khutbah, and three of them being the same, overlapping. Um, so this is the Shafi'i school here because Imam al-Baqawi was a Shafi'i. Uh, uh, if he if he misses any of these five, the khutbah is invalid. وَذَهَبَ أَبُو حَنِيفَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ إِلَى أَنَّهُ لَوْ أَتَى بِتَسْبِيحَةٍ أَوْ تَحْمِيدَةٍ أَوْ تَكْبِيرَةٍ أَجْزَاهُ Abu Hanifa said just one tasbih or tahmid or takbir is enough. وَهَذَا الْقَدْرُ لَا يَقَوْ عَلَيْهِ إِسْمُ الْخُطْبَةِ وَهُوَ مَأْمُورٌ بِالْخُطْبَةِ But Shafi's responded, said, said getting up and saying, subhanallah, no one considers this a khutbah. So Shafi, this is why Shafi disagreed with that. Akhbarana al-Imam Abu Ali al-Hussein ibn Muhammad al-Qadi with his chain of transmission. Okay, all the way down. Okay, anna marwan istakhlafa Abu Huraira ala al-Madina. 
Marwan ibn al-Hakam, when he became Khalifa, he put Abu Huraira as the, le- the ruler of Medina. فَصَلَّى بِهِمْ أَبُوْ هُرَيْرَةَ الْجُمْعَةَ He prayed Jum'ah with the people. فَقَرَأَ سُورَةَ الْجُمْعَةَ فِي الرَّكَعَةِ الْأُولَى In the first rakah, he recited Surah Al-Jum'ah. And then the second, إِذَا جَاءَكَ الْمُنَافِقُونَ Surah Al-Munafiqoona. فَقَالَ عُبَيْدُ اللَّهِ فَلَمَّا صَرَفَ مَشِيتُ إِلَى جَنْبِهِ فَقُلْتُ لَهُ When I went, when he finished, I went next to him and I said, لَقَدْ قَرَأْتَ بِسُورَتَيْنِ سَمِعْتُ عَلِي إِبْنَ أَبِي طَالِبْ يَقْرَأُ بِهِمَا فِي الصَّلَاةِ فَقَالَ سَمِعْتُ النَّبِي يَقْرَأُ بِهِمَا He said, you have recited what you recited. I heard Sayyidina Ali reciting that. Jum'ah in the first rakah, Munafiqun in the second rakah. And then Abu Huraira said, and I heard the Prophet recite it. So those are sunnah to write to recite in Jum'ah. Surat Al-Munafiqun uh, in the second rakah and Surat Al-Jum'ah in the first rakah. Okay, and uh, and Nu'man ibn Bashir was asked, "Mada kana yqra'u bihi Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam yawm al-Jum'ah ala athari surah al-Jum'ah?" What would the Prophet peace be upon him write recite um, in Jum'ah? فَقَالَ كَانَ يَقْرَأُ بِهَلْ أَتَاكَ حَدِيثُ الْغَاشِيَةِ He used to recite Surah Al-Jum'ah and then Surah Al-Ghashiyah. Okay. And then Salim عَنَ النُّعْمَانِ بْنِ بَشِيرِ قَالَ كَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ يَقْرَأُ فِي الْعِيدَيْنِ فِي الْجُمْعَةِ وَفِي الْجُمْعَةِ سَبِّحْ وَهَلْ أَتَاكَ And the Prophet in Eid and in Jum'ah used to recite سَبِّحْ اسْمَ رَبِّكَ الْأَعْلَى and هل أتاك حديث الغاشية وربما اجتمع في يوم واحد فيقرأ بهما and if it was جمعة and عيد was one on the same day he would recite them both in both ولجواز الجمعة خمس الشروط خمس شروط الوقت وهو الظهر ما بين زوال الشمس إلى دخول وقت العصر in the Shafi school جمعة is from the Zawal the Zawal ظهر is in at the Zawal which is the sun is at the top of the horizon and then moves just slightly over. That's Zawal. Okay. So Dhuhr is not in when the sun is directly up. It's slightly after that. That's Dhuhr in. And then to Asr. But in the Maliki school, it's Dhuhr. It's Zawal to Maghrib. Dhuhr to Maghrib. Okay. Well, Adad, there's a certain number that is required. I think he's going to tell us here in what the Shafi'iyah say, but the Maliki have 12. Okay. Well, Imam, there must be an Imam, there must be a khutbah, and there must be a location of Iqama. Okay, so every madhab will have something different on this. In the Maliki school, it must be an, an, a masjid. Okay, in the Shafi'i school, they do not have that requirement that it has to be a masjid. Shafi'i school in general has the least um, requirements for Jummah. That's why most Jummahs in the United States would be valid in the Shafi'i school. فَإِذَا فَقَدَ شَرْتٌ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْخَمْسَةِ يَجِبُ أَنْ يُصَلُّوهَا ظُهْرًا If one of these are missed, then they pray ظُهْر وَلَا يَجُوزُ لِلْإِمَامِ أَنْ يَبْتَدِئَ الْخُطْبَةَ قَبْلَ إِجْتِمَاعَ الْعَدَدِ He cannot begin the khutbah before the requisite number is there. وَهُوَ عَدَدُ الْأَرْبَعِينَ عِنْدَ الشَّافِعِ They have to be 40 with a shafi'i. Okay. فَلَوْ اجْتَمَعُوا وَخَطَبَ بِهِمْ ثُمَّ انْفَضُّوا قَبْلَ افْتِتَاحِ الصَّلَاةِ أَوْ انْتَقَصَ وَاحِدٌ مِّنَ الْعَدِدِ لَا يُجُوزُ أَنْ يُصَلِّي بِهِمْ الْجُمْعَةِ بِهِمُ الْجُمْعَةِ So if they have 40, let's say, and, in, and I guess that's separate from the imam, 40 separate from the imam. He didn't say here, but I'm assuming that. And then 
two get up and leave, or one gets up and leave. Now the number is 39. They pray Dhuhr. They don't pray Jummah. If one of them leaves the Salah, in the middle of the Salah, so they, we went now down to 39. Invalid. Pray the Hur. So they, they must, the, these preconditions in the Shafi school are up to the end of the Salah, okay, including the time. So if you are in the Tashahud and Asr goes off, you missed it. You didn't fulfill Jumma. He just gives another opinion that says no, that um, it's just what you begin the salah with, not what you end with. If the imam finds himself all by himself in the middle of the salah, he makes it four. Okay. In, if that's the case in the first rakah, in the first rakah, he ends up as praying by himself, he prays four rakahs. وبه قول قال أبو حنيفة في العدد الذي يشترطه كالمسبوق إذا أدرك مع الإمام ركعة من الجمعة فإذا سلم الإمام وتمها جمعة فإن أدرك أقل من ركعة تمها أربعة and then he says قل ما عند الله خير من الله من التجارة say which what is with Allah is better than trade and playing play play and trade because you know the play and trade are very linked الله والتجارة Whereas tijara has a very different ruling than lahu. But why is lahu likened with tijara? Because at a certain point, business becomes entertainment. It's just done for, for the sake of it. Because you love it, just because you like making money, all these things. So allahu wa tijara. Insofar as it's taken away, you away from the deem, they're all the same. Okay. Wallahu khairu raziqeen. Allah is the best one to give you risk. This is why a person should... You can never sacrifice your deen... For the sake of anything, because where is which whatever you want, the one who can give it to you is Allah. That's a tawheed. Whatsoever you want, the one that can give it to you is Allah. If you move away from that, you're going to get messed up. Okay, so you can never forget. Essentially, you can never forget the true power. Once you forget the true power, you get messed up. Right? Never forget the true power of all things. <clears throat> you know, when they say in our community, mashallah, a lot of the youth are really upright in our community. And they attend the vicar gatherings, right? And that vicar softens their heart. Now, some people, they attend everything except the vicar. They don't believe in it. So they say things like, this is the best community, wonderful people, except that they have this vicar. But you don't realize that that's what's softening the hearts. That's what's making people love iman and love deen, right? You can't just remove that. That's the mistake that they're making. Next surah that we're going to do next week is Surah As-Saf, and we will begin there, inshallah. Surah As-Saf. Begin that next week. Let's quickly 
So I could leave my mark. Okay. Put my mark, put my bookmark, and let's get Al Amrusi. Oh, I took it home. Al Amrusi, I took it home. Surah Al Jum'ah, let's take maybe it's here. Fiqh al Ibadat. I love this book. All of fiqh in charts. Okay, let's go to Salat al Jum'ah and read the Maliki um, conditions. What is it based on? Yeah. I'll try, I'll look. It's probably, yeah, they, they, I'm sure. Can you see if it's written, if text is based on? Shurut al Jum'ah. Shurut al Wujub. And shurut al-siha. All preconditions are divided into two types. Preconditions of obligation, preconditions of validity. Precondition of obligation means when is this obligatory upon you? Precondition of validity is what you have to do to make sure it's valid. Shurut al-wujub, al-dhukura, maleness, al-hurriya, freedom, al-iqama, that you are a resident. Al-qurb min al-jama, nearness to the mosque. As-salama min al-a'dhar, al-musqatalaha, and that you don't have any of the valid excuses. Sickness is a valid excuse. Uh, having to tend to somebody sick is a valid excuse. Shurut al-Sihha, al-Jama'ah, and they are 12 men besides the Imam. Okay. Al-Istitan, okay, that you are settled there, you are not planning to leave. Like you are actually, there's a difference between Iqama and Istitan. Iqama is that you're not a traveler anymore. You're outside the, the, the 20 prayers that make you a traveler. But istitan means you're actually permanently there. This is your home. You're not there for a quick job. You're not there, you know, just to, to do something real quick and leave. Even something that could be two, three months. It's not like a town that the company just put together so you could build train tracks, like as they used to do in the past. That's istitan. Al-khutbatan, two khutbas. Al-imam al-muqim, the imam, all, by the way, all of the imam and the 12 must be people who wear, who Jummah is obligatory upon. Okay. And it has to be in a jama. Okay. This book? This is who who summarized? Amrusi is, yes, but this book of charts is different. Shurut al-Imam. The Imam, he has to be a male. He has to have reached bulugh. He is, has to be able to fulfill the arkan. Not a purposely be off of wudu. He has to have sound intellect. He has to be a Muslim. He has to have knowledge of what makes the salah valid. And he, he cannot be a ma'mum. Okay. So the imam in the Maliki school, the khatib, has to lead the prayer in the Maliki school. Okay. Um, what is permissible for the khatib? He can be blind. Okay. He can, he can be handicapped. He, a limited lisp is acceptable. 
You could be different in madhab. Mukhalif al furu'a. When do you have to intend to be an imam? Only for four t- cases. Juma, khawf, jama, and istikhlaf. So, for example, I also saw somewhere the Eidain too. But, for example, if I'm praying Maghrib by myself, anyone could just join me. I don't have to intend to be the imam. But for Juma, I have to intend to be the imam. Okay. So, he doesn't. that's all he gives here. It's a good, quick reference. It's so easy to learn that way, yeah. Yeah, I love this book. It's 2.22. It's time to go to your Q&A. What we got on Instagram... You know that viewership of the stream always goes down when we talk a lot of fiqh or the details of tafsir, but doesn't make a difference. It's about what's needed. We're not here entertaining just for the sake of it. What's beneficial, what's needed, that's what's important, right? Does Basman and Isti'ad being makroon salah also include the f- first verse of Fatiha? Because bas- Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in the Maliki school is not deemed a verse of Fatiha. It's not. There's only one Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and that is in the verse regarding Sayyidina Sulaiman. وَإِنَّهُ مِن سُلَيْمَانَ وَإِنَّهُ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ In the case of uh, the surahs, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is just a separator between the surahs. By the way, uh, so you can read me the Instagram because I can't get in- Instagram anymore. I don't manage my accounts anymore. And I just uh, do like modestly researched articles and essays and put them up whenever the time is right. But so if you are sending messages to me on Facebook or on Instagram, uh, I probably am not seeing them. So send me an email instead. How often do you live stream is a question from Instagram. Monday through Thursday, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Because we are here in the state of New Jersey. In the United States. Mm. Sign up for ArcView, arcview.org, so you can get educated on the basics of your dean and support the live stream by going to patreon.com slash Safina Society. Hilmilaz says, if you have Muslim prime minister who is gay but still keep or preserve the ilm of Islam, the ulama of the madrasa at his country, do we have to obey him if not can we rebel against him and establish uh, against him uh, and establish the sharia you will follow your ruler provided that he does not leave islam so once a ruler leaves islam okay um at that point the obedience to him is no longer valid and uh that doesn't mean that we should go off for a revolution because that may lead to more harm than good. Ibn Sheath says, can I get your the, all the videos? Yes, if you go to YouTube, 
YouTube, you hit live stream, you hit live, you're going to see videos, playlists, live. Hit live, you'll see all the past ones. Also, you go to Apple, Google Play, they're all there. Spotify, they're all there. Can you check if the Spotify is updated? It's not updated? Oh, Google Podcast. That's different from Google Play. All right, check if Spotify is updated. If we recited a wit, it says Mahem, who is a, a veteran viewer and commenter on the live stream. If we recited a wit last year that really helped us with something powerful and achieved the intended goal, can we repeat it again? Yes, you can. Uga Panda, how did Busra become Shia? Per Persia became Shia. Uh, Busra? Yeah, it became Shia. I think I thought. Uh, what, whatever. Let's just say Persia, right? Basra is not Persia. Basra is in Iraq, and Busra is the name for the uh, castles of Syria. But Persia is what became Shia, and that's because around the 1600s or so, one of the princes, who was from a Sunni family, basically got enraptured by a charismatic Shi'i preacher. Well, when his dad died, that prince became the king. And he basically forced... We never talk about the Sunni genocide because Muslims are not taught to be whiners. But that's exactly what happened. They did a, a Sunni genocide. Killed loads of Sunnis and Imams and Shi'uch. But we're not whiners. That's why we're not talking about um, the Sunni... Uh, genocide we don't we don't go about whining we say hey we lost it you lost it what do you think your enemy is going to do to you be nice we don't expect our enemy to be nice to us uga panda is another veteran no doubt about that uh khadija asif says along the same lines when we do dhikr such as the four quls should we recite basmala every surah if you want if you pause a short pause of one less than a breath you can just continue did I get it right? Right? At the end of the surah and the beginning of the next surah. Depends on the riwayah. Depends on the riwayah. Yeah. So a pause is sufficient. But you may say the basmala too. What you may not say is the end of the surah and in the same breath say bismillah rahman rahim Then pause, then recite the next surah. That's what you cannot say. What you can do is stop, say bismillah rahman rahim stop again, recite the, same surah, recite the next surah. Or stop, pause, recite Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and the next surah in the same breath. Or simply pause between the two without any Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. That's your three options. Correct? Without taking a breath, when you pause. Omeir Maddox says, as part of RQ Basic, is there an opportunity to directly message teachers of our, or office hours? Yes. Here's how it works. Each subject matter has its own chat. Okay. Why? Because in the beginning, there was one ARCV WhatsApp chat with announcements and Q&A. That's when we had like 40 students. But now we have 700 students. Alhamdulillah. Each subject matter has its own chat and the teachers of that subject matter are there in the chat. So for example, Maliki Fiqh, Harun and I are in the chat. Okay. Aqidah, Murad is in the chat. Sheikh Usama is in the chat so on and so forth. 
So each subject matter has its own WhatsApp chat. And that's where you talk to your teachers. We should really. We should create an F. We should create an FAQ. We should. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. We get a lot of repetitive questions on those chats, also on the stream, which I'm never worried about repeating myself. But for the sake of efficiency, it would be good to have an FAQ clips, like clips from the. Work on that. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Abdul Hadi says, what evidence does the Maliki Madhab use to say that there is a bit of time between the end of one salah and the beginning time of the next one? That's mainly a discussion that occurs between Dhuhr and Asr, more so than anything else. Maham is bringing up a subject that we are addressing soon, not right away in this fall. We Maybe for the spring semester that we will have a whole track USA Times and a whole nother track UK Times because the UK is a big audience that we have, right? And so we're actually, that's one of the plans. But that's not going to be this fall. This fall, we're breaking it up into the four tracks. Kids, Arabic, Basic, and Plus. And then in the spring, that's where we're going to actually have a whole UK team and a whole U.S. team, so that the UKers can attend at uh, at their time, which is usually evenings, and that would be for us here, like one or two p.m. So then, U.S. the U.S. students will have their classes at seven o'clock, and the UKers will have their classes at seven o'clock. Limionaire says, "Commanding right and forbidding wrong is mentioned quite a lot in the Quran." I've thought the shyness we have in confronting others about the wrongs was blameworthy. Uh, it's not necessarily that it's... Commanding right and forbidding wrong does not have to be directly to a person. The Prophet's method of commanding right and forbidding wrong was to stand on the mimbar and say, what shall we say about, or what is the matter with people who do this and that? Rather than saying, hey, you... This is haram. Why? Because that may end up getting the a reverse effect. Why? Because we have to take Husna Siyasa or Hasanu Siyasa or whichever way you want to say it. Both are acceptable. Hasanu Siyasa or Husna Siyasa. Hasan as Siyasa is a description of the person. Husna Siyasa is the concept. And it's that, to keep in mind psychology, people have a psychology. When you direct something at somebody, you may actually cause them to dig their heels in more, which is a problem. And we don't want that. So that's why when you command the right and forbid the wrong, uh, it's not just that of being valid and getting results. It's also maximizing and optimizing. So yes, you may actually get results. You may get results. You may do things with like zero tact, totally humiliate somebody, you burn that person. That person is forever your enemy and will not listen to you ever again. But everyone else is backing off. So you did get a result. And we've seen that in, our, in the world of Dawah. Like, we've seen that. And sometimes the accusation itself may be like, hold on, maybe it wasn't that 
egregious, but there was like a small tear in the garment, right? And you said, look at this. And you tore it open, right? So you burn your bridge with that person 100%. Yet nonetheless, that person may never come near that thing ever again because of how bad the experience was. So it's not, it's not that just because you didn't optimize it doesn't mean it won't work, right? An unoptimized forbidding wrong will still work. And in some cases, it will be the opposite, like the ruler. The guy with the guns would be very cautious of dealing with the guy with guns. Regular people, an unoptimized forbidding wrong Rough around the edges, forbidding wrong, probably works, right? But you also got to consider the two extremes. You got to consider the guy with the guns, and you got to consider the people with sensitivities. Because that also can be a major problem. Where you are, to them, you just turn them off from the whole dean. Oh, this is the dean? Uh, I'm not interested, right? Uh, I'm out of this. And they may, that may experience may be, is so bad that they never want to come to the dean again. So you have to keep in mind both sides. The extremely powerful, which maybe you can say is also for a type of sensitivity because he's sensitive to his authority. Oh, you're questioning my authority? All right, you and your whole lot of you are going to jail. That happens all the time. And then also happens all the time, someone could forbids wrong in such a rough manner that they don't want to, they, they're so turned off from the dean. They'll never come again. Sometimes they're like oversensitive, and sometimes people are oversensitive. Oversensitive can be deemed that way when 99% of us didn't get offended by something and one did. No, you're oversensitive. Let's, I, well, I'm looking for 70, 30, 40, 60. That's where we can know what is sensitive, what is harsh, what is rough. 70, 30, we're getting there. 60, 40, we're there, right? Like that was too rough. Right? 40% of the people are not going to be off oversensitive one percent of the people is made that's oversensitive right ten percent even you can say okay they're all oversensitive how should i make salah on a flight there's many different opinions on that but i'll just give you the one that is most acted upon which is that you pray according to the time that you are in the air and you just move to face the Qibla as much as you can. And of course you pray while just moving your head down a little bit for Ruku'a and more for Sujood. That's what most people do, although many fuqaha hold this to be invalid, just to, for your information. And they say that either the Salah is not obligatory upon you or better off, you have to pray when you do Qada, when you're there. Wait, actually, I don't think anyone says, it's that not that it's not obligatory, but... You don't do it there on the plane. You do it when you get off. And I like the other saying, the safest of all would be, you pray like that sitting in the plane, and then you do it, or you make it up after you get onto land, because the standing is a fart. right? And it's understandable, someone says, we can't stand. Yet at the same time, you put yourself in that situation. It's not like you can't stand because of a sickness. So... Uh, probably you might want to consider that uh, fatwa that you pray sitting and then when you come off the plane you repeat those prayers ihtiyat just in case and Madiki has this concept of ihtiyat just in case it wasn't there was something wrong with it we've done it again
Zayn Mahmoud. By the way, Omar, I'm going to rely on you for Insta. All right, let me read that. Aruba. Someone is from Aruba. Does inviting... Abu Rubaik. Does inviting to good and forbidding evil apply to Muslims and non-Muslims? I was informed by a sheikh that only applies to Muslims. The forbidding wrong to non-Muslims, it can happen, but it's not going to be the same way. For example, it could happen if we both hold certain certain morals about it for example you come to a country like here i think everyone understands the the harm of cheating on your husband or cheating on your wife right so that we can talk about that like we want a society where people are doing these things until the society has reached a point of no return on certain things like alcohol i think i still think you can stand up and say like look alcohol is a big problem here. it's worse than worse results occur than all drugs combined from alcohol you could probably still get away with that but the the real commanding right and forbidding wrong will have to do with iman and kufr right but nonetheless if a person was to get up and say to something that that society already recognizes right um racist race uh, problems with racism that's something the society recognizes a big portion of society if not the bulk of it recognizes it's a bad thing we can speak about that where there's already an overlap. Secondly, um, the the main part part of forbidding wrong will have to do will occur with people who we have a common base with, meaning other Muslims. They recognize salah is fard, so you could talk about that. You're not going to talk to that about ibadat with a non-Muslim. With the non-believers, you can only talk about what you already they already have a basis for holding it to be immoral. But the problem with that is, the problem with that is that, um, what's their motivation? The motivation is going to be weak. What's the motivation to tell a youth to lower his gaze, not to look at pornography? I could tell that to a Muslim easily. Allah forbid it. It's a discussion over. We don't need to go into why, how, what are the effects. But if I'm talking to a non-Muslim, and still I think a lot of people see that pornography is like, not always a good thing, but, but that's eroding quick. A lot of people, there, there are people who recognize it's bad. But why is it bad? Why should I not do it? What are you giving me that's better than this? Because what Allah does is he says, he gives us something better. He has a reward, right? And this will lead to something bad happening. So we believe that. But a regular college kid or young man who watches pornography, maybe he comes from a Christian background, he knows it's bad, but why would I stop? You know how much discipline it might take him to stop? So you need to give him equal motivation. So uh, there's no motivation. What am I going to tell him? Right? He's going to look around and say, hey, everyone's doing it. I don't see anyone, anyone being harmed. Right? So I don't think you're going to have that motivation part. All right, next question. Do we have to identify the level that someone is giving public dawah? Yes, you should be able to identify that this is wav. And wav you can take from a broad spectrum of people, as long as they're within Ahl Sunnah. That's wav. Regular speech about, let's say, the story of the conversion of Sayyidina Omar. 
I don't have to check his madhab and aqidah points and if no. As long as he's generally within Ahl Sunnah, I could listen to the story. And he knows how to source things properly. That's why the list of preachers is bigger than the list of teachers. Teachers of aqidah, I'm going to be very specific. Teachers of fiqh, very specific. Fatwa, even more specific. Irshad, specific. Irshad, like personal life advice in the, related to the deen. Okay? Spiritual guidance. I'm going to be very specific. But just a speech about... Um, I listened to a speech the other day. Amazing speech about say, life of Sayyidina Hussein and what happened at Karbala. Pretty sure the preacher was a Wahhabi, right? No, I think I know. I'm pretty sure he has a he has a aqidah that is Wahhabi. If we asked, but I don't want to ask, right? Because I like the preacher, I love the preacher. His preaching is amazing. Like we're just reminding you about the blessings of Allah, reminding you be grateful, telling you stories, teaching you du'as. I listen to them. I don't have to check his as long as you're broadly within Ahl Sunnah. What if the preacher had done something bad in the past? Um, you can still benefit from what is true and correct of his preaching. Okay. What you would not take is irshad, right? For example, spiritual guidance. I would not take from somebody who I see is corrupt, right? I will take from him if years passed and he repented. He repented and years passed on top of that, right? So his repentance is consistent. Now I can take from him again. Because we, irshad, spiritual guidance, is a very high level of a thing, right? Does not have to be masum. He's not going to be ma No one's masum. Then we'd have no shiuch to take irshad from. Ta'aleem, yes, I could take ta'aleem. Knowledge from somebody who has some corruption in his behavior elsewhere. Let's say somebody, he's got a business scandal. He ripped off, uh, his partners are upset. I don't know what's going on, but his partners are upset. His investors are all up in arms. But that person, he has ijazah in the shifa of Qadi Ayyad. He knows what every word means. He has the chain of transmission, and he could teach me that. I'm taking the book from him. His business practices and his problems have nothing to do with his competence in an objective subject, such as fiqh. Aqidah. But Irshad, maybe not. Irshad is very personal, spiritual guidance. Now, if I'm going to take fiqh from him, usul from him, ilm al-hadith from him, I could definitely hear a story from him. Here's another question that we have to ask. If Is the corruption bad enough that we should not elevate his rank? By listening to him, I elevate him. This, this is called the concept of ikthar sawad Iktharu sawad means you're increasing his followership. You're increasing his influence in society. So here's, the, here's where the line comes. Is he harming, like, is his feud, his scandal with one person? Or is it between himself? Or, the opposite, it's many people. Right? Like if, if a lot of people say, no, this guy, you guys don't know him. He abuses us. He harms us. Okay. Or, right, then his, he has a harm that's reaching everybody. Then we don't listen to him at all. Not because the lesson is tainted, but because we are increasing his influence now. So insofar as we don't want this person to be influential anymore, we stop supporting him. We stop giving him views. And that's somebody who, 
let's say he's a he's a good preacher, but he's also preaching one thing that's very bad, such as disrespect of the scholars. Let's say his preaching is amazing, but he always slips in a comment here or there. The scholars are this, the fuqaha are outdated, they're the scholars are this, that, and the other. That's dangerous. We will not increase his sawad. We not we won't increase him. You cannot increase the sawad of someone. Because at that point, that's like a false fatwa that's in the middle of his preaching. He's out of his league here. He's out of his area here. Or the man um, misuses funds all the time. If he misuses people's funds, then the more we support his listenership, the more he steals from people. So we want to decrease his listenership. Or he's constantly, the female fans of his or listeners... He just marries real quick, and when he gets tired of her, he divorces. You know, this is very common in the past. I don't problem. I don't know about today, but mizwaj types, and this was more common when people had a hard time communicating because technology was different, right? So you can go and do calamities somewhere, and people five states over will never ever know about it because they never communicate, right? They don't know each other. But now the world is a smaller place. It's hard to pull that stuff off this and in a harmful way constantly marrying and divorcing this is a, not a good person that you want exposed to your society so you will not increase his sawad sawad is the followership right so those are the that's that's um the parameters of who we should listen to when they do certain wrong things so that's uh, uh and allah knows best and if anyone wants to add to that they can and may allah protect us and all the du'ats from the tricks and the misguidance of Iblis. Turquoise says, are there any example of Muslims building temples for non-Muslims? Yes, there is an example, but no, it's not allowed. And what's the example? Akbar, the the king who was a loony in the head. He's like the Donald Trump of the Mughal Empire. He's just a loon. Super rich, pretty smart, pretty charismatic, and very loony. And he even ended up inventing his own religion. I'm telling you, he's the Donald Trump of that era. Like he invent if Donald Trump was in that era, he'd be Akbar. Except and Akbar, I don't even know if we count him as a Muslim anymore. Okay, because he ended up he invented his own religion. I've always heard about this stuff, but like I've seen some claims. I don't know how true they are, but like that, like a lot of the stuff is, uh, is exaggerated. That what he was trolling or what? No, like as in like <laughs> the history is like is not 100 percent accurate. Like I've I've seen a couple of academics. I don't know how true that actually is. Mm, I don't know. That would be a deeper topic. Yeah, it would be a deeper topic to look into. It's hard to kind of figure out. Yeah. That could be stories of awliya (laughs) shaitan. Not the stories of the awliya, but stories of awliya shaitan. But it's not allowed. And his grandson, Aurangzeb, the champion, the hero, the mujaddid, he tore them all down. They were not built validly. And the academics despise Aurangzeb for not being pluralistic certain things you shouldn't be pluralistic about such as falsehood right falsehood is not something to be pluralistic about something we know is false you all academics that type or those types they are okay with that pluralism because they don't have a set belief they think it's all the same it's all just human expressions of their spirituality we say no there is true and there is false we are nobody, no human being knows something is false 
absolutely false and is pluralistic about it, right? And is accepting of it and considers that to be a type of diversity. Proof being, go to old Twitter or to other uh, outlets, and especially this came out during COVID, and some loon says some thing about COVID that's, let's say, false, right? You're going to get flagged. This has been deemed to be a false statement, right? You saw those flags. We all saw them. They started coming up during COVID when people were saying, hey, the vaccine is bad for you. Then they get flagged. This, uh, you know, statement was not deemed to be true, right? It's false. So clearly all human beings want to remove falsehood, you know, from their life. But when, uh, you know, people don't believe anything to be necessarily true and absolutely true to them, all the religions are just different expressions. That's the difference between us and them. That's why they don't like Garangzeb, but we consider him a hero and a mujaddid. No, he even play games. He He's play any games. he needs to be on the Sufian Society podcast. Yeah, yeah. He needed to, and 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 they asked for it because they got so philosophical, so mystical, so pluralistic, so tolerant of nonsense. You gave birth to Aurangzeb, right? It was your push the envelope so far. You produced Aurangzeb, and I'm with him. The Sikhs are a result of Aurangzeb. Sikh, like the Sikh people. They're a result of Aurangzeb because Aurangzeb um, took down their temples. But Aurangzeb did say, don't kill their princes. And Aurangzeb's brother did kill their Sikh, you know, prince that they considered, to, that they loved. So from then on, the Sikh have hated Muslims. So the, the Khalsa Sikh, the pure Sikh, observes five things. Until the war with Muslims is over, which is he wears a silver, sorry, a metal bracelet to remind him of toughness. He does not cut his hair, right, until the battle is over. He does not take a warm shower until the battle is over. And then there's, he carries a dagger and there's a fifth thing. And it was all started like in the immediate aftermath of the battle. And they wrapped the turban for what? Like it's war? Yeah. This was the aftermath. But uh, we don't take any harm. We don't consider it um, instigating the anger of a disbeliever to always be bad. Right? We don't consider that. Why? Because when you instigate their emotion, they don't think straight. When they don't think straight, they destroy themselves. Right? So that's why the Quran says, antagonize your enemy when you antagonize your enemy they get emotional when they get emotional they do stupid things like make a fatwa saying never cut your hair again now all your hair now we got you know muslim kids are saying thank god that's not our deen like you no longer attract you're no longer attractive so when your emotion takes over you no longer are attractive anymore so you you shot yourself in the foot the sikh uh, faith before this and their religion before this probably was very attractive to like a, a just a kid or a nominal Muslim. Yeah, they're, all they're doing is singing Sufi uh, songs. No salah, no nothing. They're just like, just they're culturally like Muslims. But there's not really salah or anything like that. So, and but you're singing songs all day and all night like hippies, right? So that's definitely attractive to a lot of people that would, would go for that. Until they, Arangzab came in, agitated them, instigated them, then they went nuts. And when they went nuts, they came up with these rules, you know, that 
are not natural. These are not natural. This is an emotionally established rule. No cutting hair from now on. What do you mean no cutting hair, right? Like, are you telling me that the armpit hair cannot be cut and it's going to come down by the time you're 40 years old? You still got 20 years to live and you got a marriage. What is happening in this marriage? How is it surviving? Woman and men. No cutting hair. How is this marriage surviving? This is an emotional fatwa. Right? And that's where to agitate the emotion, to show everyone this is a false faith. Right? And every bid'i, bid'i, innovative or false belief will end up with a ridiculous and absurd and unnatural result. Okay? Because that is the nature of whims and desires. In the beginning, it's suitable. Like you, you follow your whims that your friends and your society all agree with. But times change, and people will find that disgusting later on. Okay. Are they monotheists? Like I hear this, but like obviously it's not from our perspective. Really. But I think they believe in like one entity, right? What's that? Uh, the Sikh. The Sikh. I think they're they're monotheistic. Yeah. No, they're not pagans at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they eat meat too. The Sikh? They have um, Guru Nanaks, right? They have gurus, but the main thing is the book. It's almost like ma- mimicking it's the Quran's position in Islam. The main, you know, sacred thing is the book. They have their own book. It's a book of Sufi songs. And people are mentioning in the chat, which is pretty true because I used to have a lot of Sikh uh, in NYC when I was living there. Yeah. A lot of people here from that part of you know the world and stuff from Punjab and the Sikh uh, religion they mm-hmm. are pretty respectful towards Muslims that's one thing uh, that I noticed pretty, uh, I never dealt with Sikhs right up north my friends they dealt with the Sikhs and the correct way to say it is Sikh right Sikh, uh, yeah. Sikh. it's not Sikh but yeah, it's Sikh. right Sikh and of course I once said something about the Sikh about this ruling of theirs right and they stayed they went silent I said, what's up with you guys, right? Why aren't you laughing, right? <laughs> they said, to be honest with you, we have they're very good to us. They're nice people. And they help us out, and, and we get along really well with them. I saw a video. It's like, are you, are you take, my, I got to scratch this off my joke book now, right? You know I'm a big hater, right? And I'm always looking for something to hate on, and, and it's part of just my nature, right? Now I got to take this off. I got to edit that out because you guys get along with the Sikh. Anyway, fine. If the Sikh are nice to us, fine. We'll be nice to them. So they're theologically at war with the Muslims? Or? I don't think so. It's not I, even theological. They've never seen a Sikh debate his beliefs. I've never seen them debate. Speaker's, Speaker's Corner, they go? Yeah, Who knows? Everyone debates there, yeah. I don't even know what they believe. They don't give a dawah. They don't do dawah, right? They don't do dawah. I think they're pretty perennialist. Like, maybe that's not true. But from yeah. what, I th- what I think, like, I had a lot of uh, people, like peers that were Sikh. And they were really accepting of like, all right, you have your belief in God. We have yeah, belief. Yeah. We're from this part of the world. That's what we believe in. It's kind of like that. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's. <sighs> Let's get a Sikh who, uh, onto the program who is, you know, friendly towards Muslims and we'll talk. Right. Muhammad Hijab deals with Sikhs all the time. Mm. Is there a valid opinion within the four schools that one can make dua in another language? Only in the Maliki Madhab. This is Ali Alam's question. If you do not speak Arabic, you may make dua in uh, in the English language. In the Fard even too. 
couple more questions here. Sikhs cannot eat halal food. Their slaughter, version of slaughter, must requires decapitation. Okay. Interesting. All right. Are there any prominent Saudi Gulf scholars who are respected by the wider Edison or Jama'at? Many. Many. But they're usually not the major preachers. Even some of the major preachers, they don't really go into theology like, but he doesn't preach anymore. Um, what's his name? The most famous one. No, he's a scholar. Um, th as a preacher. No, he's not in prison, but he doesn't speak anymore. Um, he's the most, he was at one point the most popular in, by Twitter followers, Muslim, period. His name is, um, he's like a very handsome looking guy, Saudi preacher. All his videos are in the millions, but he stopped. I can't remember his name. Someone's going to remember it. Someone's asking a question about wudu, like a video. Mm -hmm. I was thinking this as well, like if you had a video of how to make wudu step by step, we have a lot of ulama. Video? We have that. Don't we have that? We? Oh, we have salah only. Like just a video, like Maliki wudu. Yeah, we'll do that. Has one. We'll do that. Mm. Like on YouTube, maybe. Like the first uh, video of uh, instruction. Mm -hmm. Gibi says, if a Muslim woman marries an atheist man, it's not a marriage, she commits adultery with an atheist man, and he converts to Islam and becomes a practicing Muslim, is she forgiven for marrying him in the first place? Not by virtue of him entering Islam. First of all, they have to do the marriage again after he enters Islam. She must make tawbah for the zina and she gets the reward for bringing someone to islam allah is fair you get the reward for bringing someone into islam but you are you committed zina that marriage is not a marriage it is zina just because a secular court calls it marriage does not mean the sharia calls it marriage it's zina adultery a fornication so you must make tawbah from that fornication okay. admit that it was fornication and make tawbah from it inshallah that sin will be wiped away now a good marriage with that person will help wipe away that sin. And you guided him to Islam, you get the reward for that. So Allah's fair. Where you did good, you get the reward. Where you did bad, make tawbah, wash it away. Live well now in the halal. And hopefully, let's say you were in this zina relationship which for five months. Hopefully, inshallah ta'ala, by every month of marriage, will wipe away one of those months. But with Toba though. Toba admission and regret. Do polytheists pay jizya? The Hanafis extended it to them. If I make salah and expect reward or jannah from Allah, is it count as ikhlas when doing ibadah? Can we expect reward or jannah from Allah when doing ibadah? What is ikhlas actually? Excellent question. Ikhlas is to seek your personal reward whether it be of the dunya or the akhirah, from Allah alone. Ikhlas is not, I worship Allah with no personal motivation. Ikhlas is ruined by worshiping Allah, seeking a reward from someone else besides Allah. Ikhlas is to worship Allah, seeking your, the reward for your own self from Him alone. That is very different from ikhlas towards humans. Like sincerity as humans know it. 
For example, uh, if I help you move, if I see you're moving ho- your, your home from one place to another, and I help you move, okay, um, and then at the end of it, you hear me saying to somebody, yeah, the only reason I came here, I heard you know, he's going to give out some cash. Immediately, I drop in your eyes, right? Whoa, I thought you, we were friends. No, 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 no. He wanted something from me. That's human to human. Not The same is not with Allah. With Allah, to fear his punishment, to desire your selfish, personal desires from him is worship, is ikhlas, is ibadah, is iman. That's why it's better to deal with Allah than humans. Because with Allah, I can be as selfish as I want. But I only seek it from him. Selfishness does not negate ikhlas if you're seeking your reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Even if the middleman, there's a middleman. Let's say I'm worshiping Allah so that I can get a job. Yes, the job is the middleman. But the real belief and the real source is Allah himself. Now, here's the thing. Why is that acceptable? Because the day that Allah rewards you, with the reward that your heart truly desires, that day you yourself, by nature, will transform. You will love Allah for himself. And you will want to be thankful. And the thankfulness is to constantly remember that Allah gave it to you, to thank him for it by worshiping him, and to use it to help other people. Right? So then we all, we're always mixed after that. We are a little bit afraid of the punishment, Afraid to get humiliated or exposed for our sins. We want things from Allah. Yet at the same time, we also love him for himself. Right? We're all mixed up. Okay? And eventually towards the end of a person's life, the bulk of it is love solely for the love, worship solely for the love of Allah. But I think everybody is mixed. Even one ibadah can be all mixed, depending on the verses that are recited. A verse of the hellfire, oh, uh, you're, you're going to worship to avoid that. A verse about humiliation on the earth, you're going to worship to avoid that. Pray to avoid that. Rewards, earthly rewards, right? Which are more moving to the human being than otherworldly rewards, although otherworldly rewards are better. Because the otherworldly rewards are eternal. They never go away. Earthly rewards, they're more tempting to the human being. They move you because they're immediate. I don't have to wait long. But the negative side of it is that they fade away. Right, uh, with as your body ages, all the blessings age with it because blessings tend to be on your body, related to your body. And what's the point of a million dollars if you can't walk? What's the point of a, have a uh, what's the difference between having fifty million dollars and a hundred million dollars if you're a paraplegic? At that point, it doesn't make a difference because I'm not doing. I'm sitting in the bed all day anyway, right? And may Allah protect us all from that. Not from the fifty million, but from the <laughs> from the paraplegic side of it, right? But the, uh, at some point, all the worldly blessings will decline. And you could have it until the grave, but you just won't enjoy it as much. That's okay, right? You enjoyed it in your heyday. And now you're just... You're right. So that's the difference between the immediate earthly reward. But if you need... You have to ask yourself, if you need motivation to move, then you use the earthly reward as your motivation. I just I just mentioned her book and I said, um, 
Yeah, I just mentioned the book, and I just said that uh, about Wala Qiswai. I just said it in general that the chapter that I read was the um, testimonials regarding the Rihla and Dean Intensive Programs. And I said, testimonials are never right or wrong. So as an author, is safe when they use testimonials. And what else is she going to go on anyway? Testimonials, right? But the the selection of the testimonial. I could get do do a survey of anything and be selective enough and editorialize enough the testimonials to make everyone th- have an uh, impression of something without me saying anything. And isn't that the bias within the news? Like why what who decides what's on the front cover? Ver- and what quote is popped out? And what's on page 25, right? Like that range of decision-making, the editor, right? So the editor's human aspect is going to come in, play, no doubt about that, right? So that's what was my critique because I felt like you probably could have got 10 times more absolutely glowing, life-transforming testimonials, you know, testimonials stating that. I could right now on my phone get you that. Right? But no, everything in the book was like, it was pointing towards a, uh, you, you walk away with a negative view of the rihla and, the, and all that was done there. So that's where I say that, you know, the, the author editorializes the testimonials that they cite in their book. There's no doubt about that. So... That's not saying anything bad about her. It's just my critique of that section of the book. Best dua for the sick. Ya hayu ya qiyum la ilaha illa anta. Or la ilaha illa anta subhanaka ni kuntu minal dhalameen 40 times. Also, nas'alullah al-azim rabbil arsh al-azim an yashfiyani. Also, salah al-shafiyya. Allahumma salli. على سيدنا محمد طب القلوب ودوائها وعافية الأبدان وشفائه ونور الأبصار وضيائها وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم One or two more questions What happens if a husband has made dua against his wife is he allowed to live with her? Yes he is allowed to live with her and he can take back his dua Maliki ruling on expiatory payments within your will about misprayers for the deceased Expiatory payments, but payments and prayer have nothing to do with each other. Check again the question. Asking for a friend, says Adam, would it be permissible for an adult to buy Legos for himself or would this considered statues? No, it's not a statue for sure. You build a human out of Legos. That's not, oh, is it a statue? Is it a person? I, adults, uh, it's makru for adults to play children's games. Anyway. But would it be a statue? It's The humans aren't made of Legos, right? So, but I guess the head is a human head. I don't know. Just don't play children's games. <laughs> Abdul Hadi, I do food delivery and sometimes customers cancel and I'm left with the food and it's usually not halal. 
can I give it to the homeless person or should I dispose of it? Technically, meat we're not allowed to give away because it's najis. And what's haram for us to consume is haram for us to give away. You leave it for the animals. That's the answer. Meat that is not udhiyah. If you don't want to throw it away, throw it for the animals. So throw the hamburger in the woods, let the animals eat it. Paying for qada, I think they mean. But we don't pay for qada for missed prayers. Qada, I mean, payments may be made for kafara of missed fasts. In the Hanafi school, you can do a kafara slash qada for missed prayers. Really, Omar? Uga Panda saying this. Uga, you're in Brooklyn. Why don't you come down Friday? Or no, you're in Manhattan, wherever he is. Why don't you come down Friday? Sheikh Mahdi Lak is here for 7 o'clock giving a talk. Okay? And come and bring your friends and say Saturday too. Get your tickets. Register, I mean, it's not tickets, but registration for the Saturday intensive. 10 to 5 with Sheikh Mahdi Lak. It's, it's going to be packed. Is print on demand halal? Uh, some scholars have said it is halal because of the high likelihood or almost 100% sure that the print will get done. And Allah knows best. Okay. Why did the Prophet ﷺ deny the riches of this world when offered since it's not necessarily haram to be rich and how do we apply this to this? The Prophet ﷺ did not always reject the riches of this world. Okay. Um, he did not always reject it. He, in fact, did accept it, and for one few days or more, he was the richest man in Arabia. And that is after the battle of um, Hunayn against At-Ta'if. And one-fifth of all of that spoils of war was his. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And at that point in time, he was the richest man in all of Arabia. And that was from Allah to prove a point. To show everyone that the Prophet ﷺ did not live a life of zuhud because of inability. No, he had ability. If he wanted, he would have been the richest man in the world. But he lived it by to set an example. And he lived it not as poverty, but as maqam, as zuhud. The station of zuhud. So the Prophet, the Battle of Hunayn, was the richest Arab in the world at that time. And one of the richest men in the world. He was the richest Arab of all the Arabs. And within a few weeks, he gave it all away. Why? To bring the hearts of the people of At-Ta'if into Islam. And he would go to one of the leaders of At-Ta'if who would make fun of Islam for 20 years. And made fun of the Prophet for 20 years. And he saw the man gazing upon a valley where the army had brought all of the spoils of war, and one-fifth of every valley was solely for the Prophet himself. Okay? One-fifth was his. That man was gazing upon a valley filled with animals. Filled with animals. Okay? And the Prophet wasallam stood next to him. Now this man has just got conquered, just lost his entire fortune, the people he hated most conquered him. Now the Prophet walks right up next to him. And he's, the Prophet sees him looking and looking and looking. All these animals, his eyes are like this. And the Prophet wasallam said, do you like what you see? And the man is like, okay, you're going to rub this in. 
he says, and who wouldn't? He, like rolls his eyes. Like who wouldn't? Like you're is rubbing this in. Salt in the wound. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, How about if I tell you that it's yours? And the man says, thinking, oh, this is like a cruel joke. Right? And he says, you mock me now? You conquered me enough. I lost all my money. Right? I lost everything. You don't have to make fun of me now. He says, I don't, I don't say anything except the truth. The man essentially lost it. Lost it. And ran not to the animals, but to his tribe. And he said, come to a man who does not fear poverty. And he put his finger up. He said, Shadu la ilaha illallah, Shadu Muhammad Rasulullah. And he said to his tribe, he went and he went to his wife and his children. Now imagine how, look, how good he looks in front of his wife, right? Okay. <laughs> and now he says, come to a man who does not fear poverty. Like, like it's, it's your, this is a demonstration that you truly believe all wealth is with Allah. Like you cannot give away this amount of money. You just give it away like this? Because the Prophet wasallam knows about how valuable Tawheed is and you are gonna, what you're going to earn in the Akhirah. And that all this rizq is in the hand of Allah. Like this you get it, like this you can lose it. So that man brought his whole tribe, his clan, into Islam in that one moment. SubhanAllah. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to go. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته